0: Book seven chapter six of Amelia Volume two This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org Recording by Lynn Thompson Amelia Volume two by Henry Fielding Book Seven Chapter Six Father Continued mrs Bennet, returning into the room made a short apology for her absence and then proceeded in these words we now left our lodging and took a second floor in that very house where you now are to which we were recommended by the woman where we had before lodged for the mistresses of both houses were acquainted and indeed we had been all at the play together to this new lodging then such was our wretched destiny we immediately repaired and were received by mrs ellison how can i bear the sound of that detested name with much civility she took care however during the first fortnight of our residence to wait upon us every monday morning for her rent such being it seems the custom of this place which as it was inhabited chiefly by persons in debt is not the region of credit my husband by the singular goodness of the rector who greatly compassionated his case was enabled to continue in his curacy though he could only do the duty on sundays he was however sometimes obliged to furnish a person to officiate at his expense so that our income was very scanty and the poor little remainder of the legacy being almost spent we were reduced to some difficulties and what was worse saw still a prospect of greater before our eyes under these circumstances how agreeable to poor mr Bennet must have been the behaviour of mrs ellison who when he carried her her rent on the usual day told him with a benevolent smile that he need not give himself the trouble of such exact punctuality she added that if it was at any time inconvenient to him he might pay her when he pleased to say the truth says she i never was so much pleased with my lodgers in my life i am convinced mr Bennet, you are a very worthy man and you are a very happy one too for you have the prettiest wife and the prettiest child i ever saw these dear madam were the words she was pleased to make use of and i am sure she behaved to me with such an appearance of friendship and affection that as i could not perceive any possible views of interest which she could have in her professions i easily believe them real they lodged in the same house oh mrs booth the blood runs cold to my heart and should run cold to yours when i name him there lodged in the same house a lord the lord indeed whom i have since seen in your company this lord mrs ellison told me had taken a great fancy to my little charlie fool that i was and blinded by my own passion which made me conceive that an infant not three months old could be really the object of affection to any besides a parent and more especially to a gay young fellow but if i was silly in being deceived how wicked was the wretch who deceived me who used such art and employed such pains such incredible pains to deceive me he acted the part of a nurse to my little infant he danced it he lulled it he kissed it declared it was the very picture of a nephew of his his favorite sister's child and said so many kind and fond things of its beauty that i myself though i believe one of the tenderest and fondest of mothers scarce carried my own ideas of my little darling's perfection beyond the compliments which he paid it my lord however perhaps from modesty before my face fell far short of what mrs ellison reported from him and now when she found the impression which was made on me by these means she took every opportunity of insinuating to me his lordship's many virtues his great goodness to his sister's children in particular nor did she fail to drop some hints which gave me the most simple and groundless hopes of strange consequences from his fondness to my charlie when, by these means which simple as they may appear were perhaps the most artful my lord had gained something more I think than my esteem he took the surest method to confirm himself in my affection This was by professing the highest friendship for my husband For as to myself I do assure you he never showed me more than common respect And I hope you will believe I should have immediately startled and flown off if he had poor i accounted for all the friendship which he expressed for my husband and all the fondness which he showed to my boy from the great prettiness of the one and the great merit of the other foolishly conceiving that others saw with my eyes and felt with my heart little did i dream that my own unfortunate person was the fountain of all this lord's goodness and was the intended price of it one evening as i was drinking tea with mrs ellison by my lord's fire a liberty which she never scrupled taking when he was gone out my little charlie now about half a year old sitting on her lap my lord accidentally no doubt indeed i then thought it so came in i was confounded and offered to go but my lord declared if he disturbed mrs ellison's company as he phrased it he would himself leave the room when I was thus prevailed on to keep my seat my lord immediately took my little baby into his lap and gave it some tea there Not a little at the expense of his embroidery for he was very richly dressed Indeed he was as fine a figure as perhaps ever was seen His behavior on this occasion gave me many ideas in his favor. I thought he discovered good sense good nature Condescension, and other good qualities, by the fondness he showed to my child, and the contempt he seemed to express for his finery, which so greatly became him. For I cannot deny that he was the handsomest and genteelest person in the world, though such considerations advanced him not a step in my favour. My husband now returned from church, for this happened on a Sunday, and was, by my lord's particular desire, ushered into the room my lord received him with the utmost politeness and with many professions of esteem which he said he had conceived from mrs Ellison's representations of his merit he then proceeded to mention the living which was detained from my husband of which mrs Ellison had likewise informed him and said he thought it would be no difficult matter to obtain a restoration of it by the authority of the bishop who was his particular friend and to whom he would take an immediate opportunity of mentioning it This at last he determined to do the very next day when he invited us both to dinner Where we were to be acquainted with his lordship's success? My lord now insisted on my husband's staying supper with him without taking any notice of me But mrs. Ellison declared he should not part man and wife and that she herself would stay with me the motion was too agreeable to me to be rejected, and except the little time I retired to put my child to bed, we spent together the most agreeable evening imaginable, nor was it, I believe, easy to decide whether Mr. Bennet or myself were most delighted with his lordship and Mrs. Ellison, but this, I assure you, the generosity of the one and the extreme civility and kindness of the other, were the subjects of our conversation on the ensuing night, during which we neither of us closed our eyes the next day at dinner my lord acquainted us that he had prevailed with the bishop to write to the clergyman in the country indeed he told us that he had engaged the bishop to be very warm in our interest and had not the least doubt of success this threw us both into a flow of spirits and in the afternoon mr bennett at mrs ellison's request which was seconded by his lordship Related the history of our lives from our first acquaintance My lord seemed much affected with some tender scenes Which as no man could better feel So none could better describe than my husband When he had finished my lord begged pardon for mentioning occurrence which gave him such a particular concern as it had disturbed That delicious state of happiness in which we had lived at our former lodging It would be ungenerous said he to rejoice at an accident which though it brought me fortunately acquainted with two of the most agreeable people in the world Was yet at the expense of your mutual felicity The circumstance I mean is your debt at oxford pray how doth that stand I am resolved it shall never disturb your happiness hereafter At these words the tears burst from my poor husband's eyes and in an ecstasy of gratitude He cried out your lordship overcomes me with generosity if you go on in this manner both my wife's gratitude and mine must be bankrupt He then acquainted my lord with the exact state of the case and received assurances from him that the debt should never trouble him My husband was again breaking out into the warmest expressions of gratitude But my lord stopped him short saying if you have any obligation it is to my little Charlie here from whom's little innocent smiles i have received more than the value of this trifling debt in pleasure i forgot to tell you that when i offered to leave the room after dinner upon my child's account my lord would not suffer me but ordered the child to be brought to me he now took it out of my arms placed it upon his own knee and fed it with some fruit from the dessert in short it would be more tedious to you than to myself to relate the thousand little tendernesses he showed to the child he gave it many baubles amongst the rest was a coral worth at least three pounds and when my husband was confined near a fortnight to his chamber with a cold he visited the child every day for to this infant's account were all the visits placed and seldom failed of accompanying his visit with a present to the little thing here mrs booth i cannot help mentioning a doubt which hath often arisen in my mind since i have been enough mistress of myself to reflect on this horrid train which was laid to blown up in my innocence wicked and barbarous it was to the highest degree without any question but my doubt is whether the art or folly of it be the more conspicuous for however delicate and refined the art must be allowed to have been the folly i think must upon a fair examination appear no less astonishing for to lay all considerations of cruelty and crime out of the case, what a foolish bargain doth the man make for himself who purchases so poor a pleasure at so high a price. We had lived near three weeks with as much freedom as if we had been all of the same family when one afternoon my lord proposed to my husband to ride down himself to solicit the surrender for he said the bishop had received an unsatisfactory answer from the parson and had writ a second letter more pressing which his lordship now promised us to strengthen by one of his own that my husband was to carry with him mr Bennet agreed to this proposal with great thankfulness and the next day was appointed for his journey the distance was near seventy miles my husband set out on his journey and he had scarce left me before mrs. Ellison came into my room and endeavoured to comfort me in his absence To say the truth though he was to be from me But a few days and the purpose of his going was to fix our happiness on a sound Foundation for all our future days I could scarce support my spirits under this first separation But though I then thought mrs. Ellison's intentions to be most kind and friendly yet the means she used were utterly ineffectual and appeared to me injudicious instead of soothing my uneasiness which is always the first physic to be given to grief she rallied me upon it and began to talk in a very unusual style of gaiety in which she treated conjugal love with much ridicule i gave her to understand that she displeased me by this discourse but she soon found means to give such a turn to it as made a merit of all she had said. And now, when she had worked me into a good humour, she made a proposal to me which I at first rejected, but at last fatally, too fatally, suffered myself to be over-persuaded. This was to go to a masquerade at Rainleigh, for which my lord had furnished her with tickets. At these words, Amelia turned pale as death and hastily begged her friend to give her a glass of water some air or anything mrs Bennet, having thrown open the window and procured the water which prevented amelia from fainting looked at her with much tenderness and cried i do not wonder my dear madam that you are affected with my mentioning that fatal masquerade since i firmly believe the same ruin was intended for you at the same place the apprehension of which occasioned the letter I sent you this morning and all the trial of your patience, which I have made since Amelia gave her a tender embrace with many expressions of the warmest gratitude Assured her that she had pretty well recovered her spirits and begged her to continue her story Which mrs. Bennet then did however as our readers may likewise be glad to recover their spirits also We shall put here an end to this chapter end of book seven chapter six